<clears throat> My table is back. I've missed it. Good morning. So I know it's drastically different. It's not normal church, but guess what? The word hasn't changed, and so we're going to look at the word this morning. How about that? What a week. What a week. The teenagers are tired. Tim and Willie were phenomenal all week long with their leadership, with running VBS. They were just amazing. It was so nice for me and Sally to sit back and watch, I would say the youth, but Tim's as old as I am, almost. It was just nice to watch them be interactive with the kids. And then um, it's just fun watching the kids learn all that they learned. And we have stretched them as far as we can stretch them. So give them a couple of days to kind of unstretch and then get right after them, parents, because I'm telling you, your kids know how to work. They know how to be respectful, so don't let them fool you. And if they fool you, call me, because I will unfool you and tell them what I know that they can do. Your kids are great. You're doing a good job. Keep it up. Thanks for letting us have them this week. They were phenomenal. But this week wasn't just about them. It was about our VBS kids. But there was something else pretty spectacular and special um, that happened on Friday. I know that across our country, it's a big deal. There's a lot of people that have different opinions about it. But as far as our church is concerned, it was a massive, massive answer to prayer. Um, since 1973, um, when Roe v. Wade came out, it's been a, an ongoing battle for church, uh, for uh, honestly for Christians fighting for the, the rights of the unborn, and it was overturned on Friday. And so we thank the Lord for that, but please continue to pray because we know it's going to continue to be a battle as it always will be. Uh, and so amen to that, right? Many of you have been fighting that battle for a very long time. For me, I haven't been fighting it as long as you have, and so I wasn't there in the beginning, so I don't know the full effect, but many of you do, and I know that Friday was a great day for the Lord uh, on Friday. As you can see, my brain is really scrambled. It's a long week, man, and I am not young like I used to be. It takes me a little bit longer to recuperate. It's, in fact, I forgot my tie and my jacket this morning. Just kidding. I intentionally, I know some of you are thinking, where's his coat? Where's his suit? Why is he, you're lucky I didn't come in my normal um, in-state garb, in my tour shorts and my sleeveless shirt, my hat on backwards. I wouldn't have worn my hat on backwards because my mama would have got me. However, I know. In-state is always one of my favorite weeks. It is our chance to take our teens and unplug them from all the craziness that they're plugged into and allow them to see that they don't have to have what the world says they need to survive. And they won't implode, they won't just burst into flames. And honestly, what usually happens is they actually enjoy it. In fact, we were floating down the Brandywine yesterday, nice long three hour slow paced, sometimes walking over the creek. And I heard some of them asking, can we just go home for the weekend and then come back for another week? Internally, I'm saying, no way. <laughs> you have no idea what you're asking. Externally, I'm like, man, wouldn't that be awesome? And it would be. I, I, honestly, I wish all of you could just take a week off, come to the church, and let's just hang out for a solid week and just serve. Let's unplug from all that we do. In fact, hopefully in the years to come, we're going to create opportunities for that. 
If you've never been out of the country or been uh, on a mission trip inside the country, we want to provide that opportunity for you because it's a big deal. There's just something great about it. And so that's what we want to provide for our kids. We want to get them out of their norm, away from what they're comfortable with, and allow them to see that there's more to life uh, than, than what they are being told that life is all about. But it all starts here. It all starts by trusting Jesus, by simply choosing him. We can do all of these things. We can serve God, and we can do all the right things. But until we choose to trust him, I'm not just talking about with the little prayers. I'm talking about fully trust, fully submit with everything that's going on within me, all the things I don't like, all the things I don't understand, all the the different laws that may change, whatever. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I know that no matter what, I can trust Jesus by simply choosing him. And our kids are getting faced with many options out there. And all we wanted to do this week was to give them the option of, listen, there is no other choice. There really is no other choice but Jesus. And so what I want to do today is I want to kind of cover the things that we covered in VBS so you'll know what we talked about to all of the little guys, but also end up with what we talked about with our teenagers all week because they actually fit very well together, which I find astounding. It's been a long time since that's happened, but everything just pulled together. So here's the first thing that we talked about uh, on Monday night, that Jesus gives us the power to do hard things. Oh, I wondered. All right, so when we read these main points, what we wanted our kids to do in VBS is to scream out, trust Jesus. So now listen, that's about all I have left. So you got to help me out. So Jesus's power helps us do hard things. Awesome. Now it helps to put a little more energy in when you pump that arm. It, It gets a little more out when you do it. So as we go through I'm just kidding. Come on. Listen, I'm struggling here. Y'all got to help me out here. Laugh at whatever I say just because I'm trying. We talked about the story. Willie. We talked about the story of Ananias and Saul. I don't know if you're familiar with that story, but in Acts we have Saul who was met by Jesus on the road to Damascus. Remember, he was blinded and he went back to the town and was just kind of sitting there waiting for someone to come talk to him. And in a vision, Jesus visits Ananias and says, hey, I've got this guy, Saul. And I need you to go talk to him. And we know Ananias' response. He's like, Lord, you, you know who this guy is, right? He's the guy that's killing all these Christians. And you want me, a Christian, to go and talk to him. That's really difficult. And Jesus reaffirms and encourages him and says, look, I've already taken care of it. I just need you to go and meet with him. And so Ananias, we know the story that he chose to trust Jesus in that moment. He trusted the Holy Spirit. And he went and visited with Saul, and that begins Saul's conversion all the way through. And so Jesus really does give us the power to do the hard things. Yet, dude, you are awesome. Go ahead, say it out loud, because nobody else caught that. You did. Go ahead, say say it good and loud. Yes, thank you so much. Well done. That's awesome. So that was just our first Monday. That was the first day that we started. Second night, we talked about this. Are you ready? (laughs) I know you are. Jesus' power gives us hope. Well done. His power really does give us the hope that we need. 
If you remember in the story of Paul, toward the end of Acts, Paul has been um, incarcerated and he's asked to go see the emperor of Rome because he was a Roman citizen and that's what you could do. But in the meantime, they were planning this trip to get him there and Jesus, through a vision, the Holy Spirit visits him and says, hey, just so you know, this isn't going to go well. There's going to be a big storm. The boat's going to break apart, but nobody's going to die. So Paul shares with the guys. And they say, you know what? You're not a weatherman. You're not going to know. You don't know what you're talking about. You're this kooky Christian. So we're going to do this trip. You're the one that wanted to speak to the emperor, so we're going. But wouldn't you know it? They get in the boat. They take off. And a storm blows up. Absolutely obliterates the boat. And the men on the boat that were chained up, they were like, dude, you got to let us go. And the, the policemen actually come down and talk to Paul. And Paul says, listen, I'm telling you, nobody will leave. Everybody will be accounted for, but you got to free us or else we're all going to drown and you guys are going to be in trouble. So they free them. The boat gets ripped apart. All their stuff washes out to sea, but the men make it to the shore and everybody was accounted for. And you know what happened in that moment? Not only was Paul thanking the Lord for saving them, but all of the men that were there recognized Paul's Savior. And it gave Paul the opportunity to share the truth of the gospel with those men. Why? Because all of them had hope. They were able to hear the truth of what Paul shared with them. And it gave them the hope of what was to come. And you are here because you are planning on that hope. That same hope that we all have, knowing that one day, if we have placed our faith and trust in God, that when we die, we will spend eternity with him. That is the hope that we have. It is a confident expectation that we know that the things that we read are going to come true. That is the hope that we have. And Jesus gives us the power to have it. Jesus' power helps us be bold. You can't see him, but he literally sat up on the edge of his seat waiting for me to finish saying it. He is so ready. Childlike faith is what we should have. I recognize that church doesn't always do things the way that we want them to do it. But should that really matter? Because when it comes to things like that, our childlike faith should just erupt. Thank you, Mason. Good job, buddy. So it helps us be bold. Peter and John, they are brought before the religious leaders and told, stop preaching Jesus. Do you imagine? All they had done was walked by a man that was lame at the temple that had sat there for 40 years. And they didn't give him what he asked for, but they gave them what he needed. They gave to him what he needed and he needed his legs back. And so they healed him on the spot. The man hops up, he walks about leaping and praising God. And then all the people that are around came to Peter and John and said, tell me what happened. How did this, how did this happen? And so they boldly shared. 5,000 people came to know Christ. Well, the religious leaders, they didn't like that. And so they had them imprisoned. And they bring them before themselves and say, hey, why are you doing this? What are you doing? And Paul, uh, Peter and John are like, well, we're doing what... Christ told us to do we're doing what you're supposed to be doing and they beat him and said hey stop doing it stop preaching about Jesus and they share a statement with them and they basically say you know what we hear you but we're not going to listen to you we're going to follow God and they were bold in that moment in front of the authoritative people that were over them they said no we're not doing that 
And that's what we want to instill in our kids is, hey, there is authority, but when it goes against what God has taught us to do, we have the right by God to stand up and be bold in our faith, to share with whoever that we want to share. And then Fridays, we had a, a little bit of a different feel. I'm going to come to Thursday in a little bit. But on Friday, it was Jesus' power helps us be good friends. Good, you guys are fading out. Lunch is getting close, I can tell. So we go all the way back to the first church, back in Acts. Remember when the, the Spirit of God was moving well and everybody took all of their things from their house and either sold it or just brought it to the church, made a big pile, and everybody uh, just took what they needed and they had everything in common. They shared well. I told the kids, it was so funny. I told the kids, I said, so here's what we want you to do. We're going to give you a box tonight when you leave VBS. This was Friday night. And I said, I want you to go home and take all your toys and put them in the box. And then come back Saturday morning, tomorrow, or yesterday morning at 10 o'clock. And we're going to take all your toys and we're going to throw them right here in a pile. And then we're going to give you a smaller box. And you're going to be able to come to the pile and only take what you need. Who's in? That's about the response I got. They were like, what? No. Why not? Why not? Isn't it just stuff? But I've worked hard for that, Pastor Allen. Mm -hmm. You have. But I'm pretty sure there's scripture about talking about taking care of fellow believers when they're in need. We have a responsibility. So today, when you leave, we're going to have a box for you. Man, you guys are really slow this morning. Either that or you were really scared that I was serious. Listen, I, I always say, I have a garage full of tools. It's always unlocked. Come get them. And many people are like, why do you do that? Because I'm being for real. It's just stuff. If you break it, we'll figure it out. If you lose it, we'll get another one. It's just stuff. Now, when I get my Toyota Tacoma, we may have a different conversation. Nope just a car it's just stuff your life by the way is not yours it is not your life to decide what you want to do my life is God's now and I want to do what he has called me to do and live how he's called me to live and make decisions based on not what I think, feel, or want, but based on what he's calling for me to do. And one of the things that he's calling me to do is be a good friend. And I want to be a good friend. I want to share. Now, those are four of the five things that we talked about with the little guys, the first through sixth graders. But let me share with you what we hit our teenagers with. Oh, there you go, Mason. Look at that. What does that say, Mason? Trust Absolutely. Trust Jesus. So this requires a choice. Agreed? Because there's a lot of things that Jesus has asked us to do, that God has commanded us to do, that the Holy Spirit prods us to do, and we really don't want to do it. But if we are going to make these choices and do these things and be holy as God is holy, we have to trust that Jesus is going to guide us, that his Holy Spirit is going to be within us and molding us into who we are called to be. Trusting Jesus is paramount for our faith, but it's not always easy, but it can be. So as we see that it requires a choice, our choices affect everything in our life. 
Have you ever thought about that? When I choose to speed, I'm either going to get a ticket or I'm going to make it home, maybe. If I choose to overeat, I'm going to be miserable afterwards. If I choose to not eat the right things, I'm not going to be healthy. If I choose to not exercise, I'm not going to be healthy. If I choose to cheat on my wife, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose money. I'm going to lose a lot. There are so many things about our choices. And this week, what we pounded your teenagers with is your choices matter. Your choices are your choices. I choose for me and you choose for you, but please don't forget that my choices will affect you. And your choices will affect me and others. Our choices affect everything. Choices can be what I'm going to do or how I'm going to feel or how I'm going to think or how I'm going to process through something. Everything involves a choice. Even those four things that we talked about with the kids on VBS, all of those are choices. It's my choice to be bold or not. It's my choice to trust Jesus that he's going to help me live forever or to be a good friend. It's my choice, just like it's your choice. The first day we talked about Joshua, that there's a choice for every circumstance, Every circumstance, and I know some of you are thinking, well, what about the things that are out of my control? Yes, there are a lot of things that are out of our control, but you have a choice of how you will handle and respond to it. Everything, there is a choice. Joshua, one of the greatest leaders in Scripture, phenomenal leader, I think, in my opinion, was the greatest leader in Scripture besides Christ and was able to absolutely tell us what this looks like. In the very beginning, God tells him on three different occasions, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. He reiterates it over and over and over. Why? Because he knows, God knows what's coming. And Joshua needs to trust God in everything that's coming because God will lead him where he needs to go. And Joshua did exactly that. Toward the end of Joshua's life, We know the famous verse in chapter 24, verse 15, that talks about, I think it's 15, that says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You can do whatever you want to do. And honestly, that's kind of how I feel when I lead my church. I recognize that your household is your household. I can only preach and teach what God gives me, but you have the choice to follow God or not. And what you do in your house is what you do. But as for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord, are we not, honey? That's what we're going to do. And our prayer is that's what you will choose. Because that's what Joshua chose. But look for me at the evidence as to why he chose. And it's found in chapter 23, verse 14. He says, now I am about to go the way of all the earth. In other words, I'm I'm about to die. I'm, I'm done for my leadership job. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. He reminds him, he says, listen, you need to understand that not one thing that God said was going to happen, not one of those things didn't happen. All of them took place. Every one that God said was going to happen, they absolutely happened. And he said, every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. I love that. Not only has the promise been fulfilled, but it didn't stop. You ever had somebody promise you something and they go about halfway through and then they just kind of stop? 
So they kind of partially fulfilled it, right? Which is good. I mean, at least they started it, but then they just stopped. And it's kind of frustrating for us. Joshua says, listen, God is not that way. God has promised us certain things and he's going to continue till the end. And so for me, when Joshua gets to the end and he says, you can do whatever you want, but I'm going to remember the blessings of God. I'm going to remember the promises that he has shared with us and the things that he said was going to happen. All of them have happened and he has not failed us yet. And so for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so as we talked with our teenagers, that was the thing that we kind of ended on is, hey, listen, I'm glad you love your parents, but you have to choose for yourself to follow God. I'm glad you love your church, but you yourself have to follow God. These choices are so important because they're going to affect everything. You have to choose today. But parents, here's what I'm telling you. They can't do it alone. They've got to have the model in front of them. You as parents, as grandparents, you have to model this for them. How do you think this was so successful? Your teenagers need to see you living this out. Not thumping them over the head with the Bible. Sometimes that helps, actually. But a lot of times they need to see it real in your heart and in your life. And consistent. You have to choose that. Just like they have to choose it. The second night, or the second morning. And by the way, this wasn't like a quick 10 minute devotion that we did. It was about an hour and a half long. It was about 20, 30 minutes of quiet time on their own. And about 30, 45 minute discussion afterwards. This isn't just something that we haphazardly do. So we have about two more hours in this sermon before we're done. There's a reward or consequence for every choice. Did you know that? Now, common sense says, of course we do, but we don't live that way. Let me say that again. Common sense says we know that, but we do not live that way because we think we've got an extra out. I'll live however I want, and God's such a forgiving God, he'll just forgive whatever I choose to do. Please be careful with that. God is a merciful and forgiving God. But God hates sin. Hates sin. And to him who knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You have a choice. And every choice that you make has a reward or a consequence. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or even Peter and John. We just talked about Peter and John. We knew that Peter and John was going to pay a price. We also know in Daniel chapter 3, oops, that Daniel, uh, excuse me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were going to pay a price. If you remember that story at all, remember they had the big golden statue that they were supposed to bow down to. When the music played, they didn't bow. And they paid the price. They got thrown into a fiery furnace. But their response to the king beforehand is priceless. It should be our response to anything that the world throws at us as a threat to our life. They say, but even if God does not spare us from you, O king, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. It's not that they just wouldn't. They can't. They legitimately cannot do that because of the commitment to choose to follow their God. And we don't live that way. 
Think about that. They legitimately can't do it. It's against the essence of who they are now because their life is no longer their own. It is God's. And so they choose to live in such a way that the decisions that they make are going to honor him first and they will take whatever reward or consequence that comes with it after. That's hard for us because they did the right thing and still got chucked into the fire. But they didn't care. They were willing to die for the Lord. Many of us face all kinds of fiery furnaces at our workplace or in our neighborhood or even in our families. And my question to you is this. Can you trust God enough to choose him and deal with whatever the world brings? That's on you. I can't choose that for you. I can be your cheerleader. I can give you truth. I can help you to know how to battle it. But you have to choose. And if you wait too long, it just may be too late. Peter and John, again, we know they're standing before the important people. And look at their response. They say, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? Now, these are the religious leaders they're talking to. They've got them. So, Mr. Pastor, tell me, am I supposed to listen to you or God? Great answer. Spot on. That's where they were at. They didn't care. I know you're my religious leader. I appreciate all that you do, but what you're telling me is against what God has commanded me to do, and I just can't do that. And they say, you be the judge. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. It's not even like they were trying to to preach. They were just sharing their testimony of what God had done, or excuse me, of what Jesus had done, what they have seen, what they experienced. These are the disciples that spent three and a half years with this man and watched him. Deal with people in a way that nobody else had. And all they were doing was sharing their testimony. Stay with me. We're getting close. Our choices. Here's the third thing that we talked about our kids, talked to our kids about. Our choices can empower us or derail us. Your choices can empower you to be more like Christ or they can derail you and be less like Christ. Paul talks to Timothy really, really heavily. And um, especially in the books of uh, Timothy. And so here's what he says. Oh, that's super small. Sorry. In Colossians chapter 3, as he's writing to the people in, um, in uh, Coloss, he says, And whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. When you make a choice, how should you make it? Based on what you think or feel? Come on, kids answer faster than you guys, come on. Is that how we should make our choices? No. It says whatever you do, in word or deed, you should do it in the name of Jesus. You carry as a follower of Christ his name. Therefore, every decision that you make, outside of this building especially, you are still making it in his name. And you, as a follower of Christ, have a excuse me, a responsibility to do what is right every single time. At some point as believers, we got to stop playing this game and take this thing seriously and get after it. 
He writes to Timothy and said, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Now this isn't so you can get the pat on the backs, but this is an opportunity for your testimony to shine bright because he's telling Timothy, look, stay in the word. Stick with what you've been taught. Know what you know. Why it's where your life will continue to progress towards me and people will see me in you. That's what we want from our teenagers, but I don't want it just for them. If you're still alive and you're not dead yet, God still has time to work in you to be more like him. We as older adults still have the opportunity to choose just like these teenagers do. And by the way, everything is the same across the board. We always look at the teenagers and think, oh man, their decisions are horrible. Well, so are some of yours. Oh, well, they they don't understand what's going on. Well, that makes it even worse for you because you do understand what's going on. And you still make the choices. He goes on in 2 Timothy. I don't know why. Oh, there's see the little two? It's up there. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. I want you to know That if you have committed your life to Christ, he will hold on to that. But you have a responsibility to hold on to him. You have a responsibility to remind yourself that you are persuaded based on what you've been taught, based on what you're studying, based on what God has done in your life, that he really is legit. And we want our kids to know that that commitment to him can persuade all of our choices to be what they're supposed to be. But none of this is possible. You ready, Mason? None of this is possible without believing that Jesus' power lets us live forever. This was the uh, fourth night. And all of these things that we've talked with our kids about choices, we have pushed them and challenged them and guided their thinking and what choices look like for their lives. But none of that matters until we understand that Jesus' power helps us live forever. And we looked at the death and the resurrection of Jesus on Thursday night, and we shared with them the importance of what he has done for you and for me. His death is so important because his death signifies the final sacrifice of all sins. That's what he's done for you and for me, and we can trust in that. But it wasn't just about that only because he really did die. And then on the third day, he rose again in power and in victory to give us the hope of eternal life. And when we have all of that in our knowledge and we are trusting in that, it helps us to be bold to do the hard things. It gives us the power to to have the hope in what he has coming, knowing that we can live forever. And when we have all of that encapsulated in our lives, it helps us to be the good friend that we are to be because then we can share Jesus with all those around us. It all fits nice and neat. But it begins with a choice. It all begins with a choice. We've got to trust Jesus by choosing him. I get that we all have opinions of how we think this life's supposed to go. We all have thoughts and feelings about certain things that take place. But ultimately, you are no longer your own. 
You were bought with a price. You have been redeemed. You are his. You are his child. And therefore, if we are his child, we need to choose to allow him to rear us in the direction that he wants us to go. Folks, listen, we have challenged your teens and your little ones all week long to choose Jesus. But it starts with you. It starts at home. It starts with you as an adult, no matter how old or young you are, choosing Jesus first. We cannot raise the next generation of church people without having solid homes that have chosen Jesus first. That's where it starts. All of these other things, listen, the world is evil. There's always going to be bad stuff. Our response to it is so important, and we must choose to respond correctly. Here's some questions for you, and then Jim's going to come and lead us in a song. Number one, have you considered how your choices are affecting your life? It's a really, I know, really deep question for this type of sermon, but I want you to think about it. Have you ever considered how your choices, the choices you make every day, the small ones and the big ones, are affecting your life. Some of you are feeling that effect. Some of you aren't quite yet. Listen, you guys are smart enough to know that the decisions you make are going to affect you. So let's stop blaming everything and everyone else for the things that are taking place in our life and let's start taking some personal responsibility and looking at the fact of it may be my choices that's causing this. Number two, have you considered there may be a better way? It's a fair question, right? Because there really is a better way. Jesus is always the better way. Holiness is always the better way. Choosing God over me is always the better way. Choosing God over everyone is always the better way. There is a better way. And it begins by simply saying yes to Jesus and no to self. Lastly, will you choose him today? Come on, some of y'all have been wrestling with this decision for a long time. Back and forth and all over the place and you know all the right answers. You've got all the right things to say. When are you going to choose him? When? Listen, this is how I would talk to the teenagers, just so you know. And you know what's great about teenagers, and I, please don't take offense to this, but talking to teenagers, they at least respond when, when God moves in them. And we as adults sometimes don't because we're embarrassed. Please don't make our teenagers lead our church. Please don't make our youngsters lead our church because you won't step up. And we got some good ones, man. And they are waiting and they are antsy and they're itching. But God is itching for you as well. He's ready for you. He's always ready. Choose him today. Let me pray for you. God, you are great and good and awesome and amazing and God, I am tired, but it is a good tired. Being in your presence all week, watching you work in hearts, 
and all the situations that we have had to deal with, with the work and travel and all of those things, God, you have been so faithful in every aspect. But God, we have a church full of people here that want you, that love you. Help us this morning to choose, to choose you first over ourselves, over our neighbors, over anybody else. Help us to choose you first and then to follow your lead as you lead us. Help us to consider the things that we've talked about, especially regarding our choices, knowing that our choices will bring some type of outcome. May we choose to follow you every day. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name.